Hey, Bob Blast listeners, if you enjoy our podcast, and I know you do, do yourself a favor and check out the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. You've got NFL Network researcher Matt Okada, licensed sports physical therapist Matthew Betts, and running back guru John Helmkamp, all there to give you the best fantasy football information year-round, covering redraft, dynasty, and so much more. Check out their video content and their podcast, Red Shirts Fantasy Football. Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And we are, of course, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Network. How are you doing today, Michelle? Oh, I'm good. I'm excited. We have some big news about something that happened in the NFL. Finally, we had something big happen. Before we get to that, let's let's tell everybody where we can find your Twitter account. Fine, I want to talk about this, but you can find me at ballblastem, ballblastem, and you can find me at ffballblast. Give our Twitter page a follow. We've got at ballblastfb. We got ballblastfootball.com. So many exciting things coming up. Be sure to give us a follow. Don't miss a single thing. Hit that subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so generous and help others find the show. Should we get into the news? Uh, yeah, I was ready right away. Okay. This just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. Former MVP Cam Newton has signed a one-year contract with the New England Patriots. Let's go. Holy Moses, is that the most Bill Belichick move that's ever happened in all time? I think we knew it was going to happen. But the thing is, we thought it was going to happen pretty soon after free agency opened or after he finally got cut. And then it wasn't happening. You're like, okay, maybe they do feel good about Jared Stidham. And I guess that's what they're going into the season with. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, we're going to actually sign Cam Newton. Joke's on you. I mean, they did. They played the waiting game. So they actually got a very, very interesting deal for them, not for Cam Newton. Yeah. Not a great deal for Cam Newton. He is absolutely uh, getting the short end of the stick here. He has a one-year contract worth up to $7 million in incentives. Up to... 7.5. Okay, $7.5 million in incentives. Where would that rank? If he if he literally played out, got every single extension. It's not great thinking that he's going to be the starter, right? I, I don't think it's going to be hard to beat Stidham. I don't think they sign him to be a backup. Cam Newton has too big of a name. He's done too well in the NFL. Got too big of an attitude problem. Yeah, he's not going to be a backup. And I think the reason why he had to sign this deal is... There wasn't a lot of openings left of starters unless Jacksonville wanted to sign him and then he can compete with Minshew. I think this was the worst worst idea absolutely of all time. If I was Cam Newton's agent, I would slap him across the face. I, no, I don't agree with you at all. Hear me out. So the way that you could structure this deal, uh, or at least for Cam Newton's perspective, the way that you can make him the absolute most money this season is to wait until the first major quarterback injury. Because they happen every year. It doesn't... It, it 
bad injuries don't just happen to bad teams. But right? okay, but what if he goes to a team that wasn't as good as New England? He's not working with a coach as good as Belichick, and he goes to a garbage team, let's say like like the Panthers. Yeah, and that didn't work out well for him, did it? No one wants to sign him. So if he goes to a team it like... It absolutely worked out well. We don't care about real football. For for this this podcast, I don't care. Is Cam Newton productive for fantasy football? I don't like him as a person. I think he's cute with like the But kids, right now we're talking football. about real football. Like That's what we're talking about right here. And we're talking about Cam Newton's life. He doesn't care about fantasy football. For him, to sign, for him to sign this deal, I think it's really good for him. Not this year, but when you get to team up on a team that you're not going to make too many mistakes on. Like, it's the Patriots. Belichick's not going to allow that. You're going to win games because their defense is great. The surrounding pieces around you, maybe the receiving options aren't the best, but the surrounding pieces around you, you're going to win games. And that's going to get you a contract with another team if that's not the Patriots after 2020. I think this is very smart of Newton. Uh, I think in the long haul, it works for him. This year, no, it kind of sucks. I think in the long haul, it's great news. It's great news for us in fantasy because it gives us another team that we can actually use the pieces from because I was scared off this whole team when we don't know what Stidham would be. He could be great. He could be the worst quarterback in the league. We have no idea. So those pieces were getting really scary. Now with Cam, it, it gets a little less scary. And then also, just as an NFL watcher, who wants another terrible team to watch? Like, now we have Cam. He's going to make games exciting, even if they're not at Tom Brady level. Like, we don't expect that. At least now he makes the Patriots games exciting again, and it'll be something else to look forward to in the NFL season. So I'm very excited about this deal, but you're clearly not. I It's not that I'm not excited about the deal. I think the, the prospect of Cam Newton working with a, a coach of – Bill Belichick's caliber in that offensive system, super exciting. The fact that Cam Newton gets to return to the football field, presumably healthy, really exciting. But if I'm his agent, I think there's a million other ways to get him a boatload of more money. We saw this happen with Teddy Bridgewater, right? Like he stayed with the Saints for two years as a backup because he knew that was the smartest thing for him. Teddy Bridgewater is not Cam Newton. Cam Newton is Right now he is. Nobody wants him. Mm. Nobody wants him. Nope. He's injury. He has a lot of injury risk. He's having trouble staying in the games. He's been very banged up in his career. Like these are all things that are scary. His best part of his game, I I think his throwing was a little bit underappreciated. But his best part of his game is the running aspect, and he is getting older. So there's a lot of question marks around him. But that's besides the point. Let's talk about fantasy and how this affects the people around him. Does this make you more excited to draft a Julian Edelman? It's not really Cam Newton's type of guy, but or maybe Nikhil Harry breaks out in year two. He was hurt all the first year. I was off of him completely because I wasn't excited about Stidham and that offense making Harry all of a sudden break out. But now with Cam, Nikhil Harry's a big target. We know Cam kind of prefers those big targets. Could we see Harry with a second-year breakout? I think Nikhil Harry definitely showed flashes. I think the the buy-low window, like in your dynasty leagues, that's shut, mm-hmm. slam shut. But would you draft him in redraft in the later rounds? He's going really late. I would. I, I would probably consider him at this point in the ninth or 10th round. Yeah, I was thinking 10th. Like... Uh, it's still going to take a big jump up, and Cam and Harry still have no connection, right? They they haven't had the offseason. They're not going to have much of an offseason. Cam Newton hasn't played football in yeah. And we really didn't see Nikhil Harry do that much of anything in the seven games that he did play. 
last year. So that's a big risk that you're taking there drafting him, but I think if he stays in that 10th, 11th round, I'm okay taking the risk there. Julian Edelman gets a little bit more interesting. I don't know. I just don't think he's going to have the same He gets more interesting, I think, just because of the fact that I expect a more productive offense Mm -hmm. and possibly more scoring opportunities. The one player that I'm probably most intrigued at at this point is James White. Yeah, that's what I I, like. I I don't know um, how many times I've I've thought of wanting to draft James White (laughs) in the past two years, but... I I might be on that board now. I, I, I'm considering that. Yeah, and it, a lot of it is we knew that Tom Brady was going to use James White, and everyone did, so he was going really high over the last couple of years, especially last year. Like, his price was super high. You were paying for what you're going he to get from James White. premium. Now his price will be a lot lower in redraft, and you, you should be able to get him in later rounds. And I think Cam Newton could use him in a similar similar way that Tom Brady does. I mean, we we saw Cam Newton use Christian McCaffrey like no other. Will yeah. he do the same thing with James White? Or, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is a much better talent overall. Does this help Sony Michelle at all? I mean, I just still don't want Sony Michelle in anything. I, I don't think if, you're, if your scoring opportunities are what they are for Tom Brady, I don't see that increasing at all for Yeah. We saw Cam Tom Newton. Brady take away seven rushing touchdowns last year. No, seven rushing at attempts at the goal line not all of them were touchdowns but Tom Brady had seven rushing attempts at the goal line I'm sure Cam Newton's going to get those same things right I I would imagine so I don't see this as an increase for Sony Michelle if anything it's a decrease because they'll probably use Newton more in the run game this will be a totally different quarterback for Belichick I mean Tom Brady's pretty much a statue and Cam Newton even older even often injured, he's still a hundred times more athletic than Tom Brady has ever been. All yeah. right, let's move on. That was a lot of talk about, but I, I'm just excited for there to be New England matters again. I don't even want New England to win, but I'm excited there's another team that actually matters next year, and it's not going to be another boring game where we have to watch a bad quarterback play. If Sidham's a bad quarterback, I don't want to call him that. He could be great. We have we just, no idea. Well, he could have been great or he could have been literally terrible, and we have no <laughs> idea because we haven't got to see him play. Moving on, we have some news from Cleveland, a little bit of small news, but I think it's very interesting for fantasy. Kevin Stefanski remains unsure. So he's the head, new head coach, and he's from Minnesota. He remains unsure if he or offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt will call plays. That's very interesting because... For us that have, I've been talking up Chubb and Hunt, both highly succeeding in fantasy, that's with Stefanski being involved in the play calling. Like, and I'm sure he'll still be involved in some way, but we don't know. Like, Alex Van Pelt doesn't have a history of play calling. We can't really go back and see what he normally does. He did. I, so despite the fact of not having maybe like a, an established sort of play calling pattern, I think we can expect still a a run-first offense. Yeah. It's still Kevin Stefanski's scheme, regardless of who's calling the plays. I think we do need to expect a run-heavy scheme. So if Kevin Stefanski isn't calling plays, I'm going to consider that a, a buy-low opportunity for maybe Kareem Hunt. Like People might not feel like there's enough pie on the table for both of them. 
I'll I'll take that chance. This news went really under the radar though, so no one was talking about it. Go retweet it. And I think I think that's okay because again, I don't know what that means if offensive coordinator is doing calling all the plays and Kevin Stefanski is just being the head coach and staying out of the play calling. I don't know what that means to offense. It makes me a little bit more nervous that both can break out the way I think they can. If if I know Stefanski is a play caller next year, that makes me a hundred times more confident that both Chubb will dominate on the ground and Hunt will be used plenty enough to be highly successful in fantasy. This is just something to keep an eye on, uh, and it's something I'll be keeping an eye on and be you know talking about throughout the offseason. Another update from the Browns, uh, Jarvis Landry apparently is looking great after hip surgery, and that's from Browns head coach Stefanski. Now, the timetable was six to eight months, right? And he had surgery on February 4th. Six months puts him at August 4th, and that's fantastic. He can be plenty ready for the season. Eight months puts him at October 4th, and that's missing Ooh. That's missing a month of the season. That's very different. And how are we feeling? That's great. He's feeling great after hip surgery. Do they push him to start fast? And this is definitely something we're going to monitor. I think OBJ would get a bump if Jarvis missed any time. I, I do Does think- Baker get a downgrade? I... I don't think so. So the way that I sort of have projected these guys out, um, I do have Jarvis Landry missing a couple of games because I just think even if he's literally on the field, I don't think we're going to expect the same level of involvement. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to catch he up. He could be mo- more used as a distraction. As a decoy, yeah, absolutely. The issue with the Browns right now, I their wide receiver too is what – Rashad Higgins, I mean, he's a decent talent, but not really someone I, you want as your wide receiver, too. They have Austin Hooper. They've yeah. got Kareem Hunt. They do have other, They still have David Njoku, who I know was garbage for fantasy last year, and he's had some bad injury luck. But he's still really good when you use him in the middle of the field. David Njoku is a baller. And yeah. I feel like we, like we forget that. But I think he is a better NFL player. Well, he only played, like, three games last year, too. So it's something that's interesting. Everyone's just throwing him to the curb and saying Austin Hooper is the only fantasy tight end you should own in that offense. I'm staying away from both. But I do think we need to be giving uh, Njoku a little bit more credit because when he is on the field, he's he's a good weapon, at least, for Baker. That I, I think the, the benefit of David Njoku is not for your fantasy teams. It's for Baker Mayfield. So if Landry misses any time, that's kind of a bump up for everyone in the offense. And then if he's there as a distraction, I guess we won't really know. Like, is he there for – so that's going to be hard. I am staying away from drafting Landry. Right now, my thought process is if I'm going into redraft, I'm probably not touching Landry because I don't want to deal with it. It, it could take – like, hip injuries – Right. I, I hate lower body injuries, period. I, upper body injuries, like a Is hand. Is your hip upper or lower? It's like right in the it's middle. It's mid. It's mid. But, like, so your hip is just so important to your overall movement of your body. And I, I just think that it's it's one of those key areas that I'm worried about. Well, our segment, our first guy that we're going to be talking about is a Brown player. So before we talk way too long about Jarvis Landry news. Let's jump into our segment. So what we're going to do today in our pod is we finished our team projections for every team in the NFL and went through every player, what we expect them to do in the 2020 season. Now, some of the guys, when we finished, Kate and I are very different on. Like, we ended very differently on them. So we're going to discuss four players that we have ranked 
widely different, like a pretty big gap. And we're kind of going to debate and see, like, defend your ranking, you know, like, tell us why you have him there. And we'll, maybe we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Probably not. We're both stubborn people, but maybe we'll meet in the middle and change some of our projections up. But do we want to get started? Let's do it. I can't believe you're still stuck on this. I, I am. Get no, it over it. Up. It's, it's done. It's over. No, I'm entitled to have my opinion. And I'm entitled to my... Why are you entitled, Holly, and not me? You're entitled to your wrong opinion. That's fine. Bam. Bring it on. <laughs> I love that drop so much because I feel like I just, you know, have that fight every day. With me. Yeah, with you. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. That's fine. Yep, that is fine. And let's start off with your first wrong opinion, Michelle. We are going to talk about a wide receiver that I am shocked is this far apart in our rankings. I've got my wide receiver seven, your wide receiver 23 for the 2020 NFL season. Yep. Sir Odell Beckham Jr. Yep. We were just talking about this with, you know, if Stefanski's calling plays, if he's not, that, that will affect OBJ. And then also Landry being hurt or not hurt will affect OBJ. So two things we'll have to monitor as the scenes that goes on. But in the show notes, I do feel like you're a little rude. You put this is your most outrageous ranking ranking of your entire wide receiver profile. Yep, I said it. Damn. I, I mean, I a hundred percent. I think this is your that. most outrageous ranking. Like wide receiver OBJ seven. OBJ being OB, okay. OB OBJ being OBJ and doing OBJ things. Okay, one is, is he the outrageous. wide receiver seven? That's fine. Okay. Go ahead. You give me your reasons why you have him that high, and then I will tell you why you have him lower. Hi, I'll start with the fact that he's OBJ and he doesn't matter. Okay. He is one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL, and your recency bias is absolutely through the charts. He is still Odell Beckham Jr. Let's look at the fact that he just switched teams last season, had a bad year, right? Mm-hmm. Still managed a thousand receiving yards. That doesn't matter. Was, it was entire, terrible. Was for, entirely. It was very bad for fantasy. And. Exactly. But when we look at his overall metrics, we have to expect some regression, right? So his catch percentage down to 55%, career average 62%. Do we expect that to go up once he's got another year healthy? Because let's let's not forget, he had a sports hernia injury all of last season. He was playing injured. And the sports hernia injury is like extremely painful. That's your groin, Michelle. That's your groin. That's it hurts. Right. That's it hurts. Right. Anyway, so he played He played injured all of last season. Still considered a down season, even though he managed 1,000 receiving yards. Only had four touchdowns. I'm expecting all of these things to bounce right up. The first three years of his career, 12 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns. He's definitely got room to uh, definitely expand in terms of his catch percentage. How long has it been now since he was great for fantasy? He's great for fantasy in 2018. For a little part of the season, the issue with him, he, he's been hurt a lot. He played 12 games, 12 okay. games, uh, 77 receptions. But 1, he 000. came on, so we have to remember in 2018, I owned him, actually, in one of my biggest leagues that I pay attention to. And I, like, by week five, I didn't even know if I should actually drop well, him. You, it was no, so bad. No, you weren't going to drop it was, it, He was almost unplayable. I mean, and I just kind of had to keep holding on, and then finally he came on, and then he got hurt. This is just the type of player he is. He's just no, he's all over the place. Type, he is not this type of player. I 
all you have to do is look at his first three seasons in the NFL. And I know that was uh, 2014 through 2016, but he's still the same player. He has played under terrible circumstances. He's played injured. If so you're not plays, worried about the injuries at all. So I'm not. In 2017, they're, they're he missed completely different injuries. 2017, so, he missed almost the whole year, and then 2018, he was pretty bad for a lot of the year, and then got hurt and missed a chunk of the year. And then last year, he he played all season. That's great, but you're saying he suffered because of a sports hernia. So you almost wish he didn't play because you were starting him in your lineups and he was scoring you no points. When are we going to see a fully healthy OBJ? Is there going to be enough targets to go around to make him dominant? This in is the fantasy? last season. Like this is where I will say this is my last season going all in on OBJ. It was his least efficient season, but I think like when I'm looking at um, you know transfer regression to his career average, I'm looking at what circumstances might have led him to be less efficient. I'm looking at the injury. I'm looking at the fact that he changed offensive schemes for the first time. He changed offense. He changed quarterback. He There was a lot, lot going on last And now season. he's changing offensive schemes again. But you're you're also looking at it from like a Freddie Kitchens offense. At least he's getting the, the same quarterback. Okay. So he, he has that familiarity with his team. He's not he's not switching everything all together. He is he, he's in the same overall system. They might run more, yes, but... Yeah, they're going to run more. And he was the wide receiver 32 last year. 32 in fantasy points per game, scoring 12.6. And that's 12.6 PPR points per game. So we can take away a lot of those if we're looking at half or standard. Beasley, Cole Beasley was at 12.3. So only 0.3 less points per game than OBJ. It was a very bad fantasy year for him. OBJ had 133 targets last year. That's a lot of targets for a wide receiver. It's a lot of targets, and he hit his career low in terms of catch percentage. And I don't think that there's, like, inexplicable reasons for that. It wasn't a lack of talent. Like, did but you watch it could be Did the you la- watch the Browns offense play last season? What Do if you think- Eli Manning is a better quarterback than Baker? We love Baker, but no, that's the that's reason. No, I think that's fine. You don't always need quality of targets sometimes for fantasy football. Can we be honest about that? I think you do if his targets go down. Like, can we really expect his targets to increase next year? And by how much? Like, how much are they increasing? What's going to be the massive change? You don't, I, I don't think you need to expect his targets to increase. So uh, his rookie season, OBJ had 130 targets, but was more efficient with those targets, had a 70% catch rate, which is above his career average, but also managed 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. I think... The thing that we're we're missing from this argument is the fact that like you say they they they're gonna run more. That's great. That that helps OBJ. If they are pounding the rock, pounding the rock, pounding the rock, guess who's wide open? It's Odell. You can say that, but I think it, he's going to be very inconsistent. So yes, he will have some boom games because the running game will be on, and you know Odell's going to be open, and he'll get his targets in those certain games. But last year, we already saw him be so inconsistent. I mean, he had nine games of his 16 games with less than 60 receiving yards. Five of those were under 50 receiving yards. He only had four touchdowns. And guess who that reminds me of? Stephon Diggs, who used to be under last year, was under Kevin Stefanski. Everyone says Stephon Diggs is the best route runner in the NFL. 
I don't care about talent sometimes. Okay, guys, like, I know Odell's great. I know he has a talent. I know Stephon Diggs has a talent. But it doesn't always turn in consistent fantasy points. And last year, Stephon Diggs either killed it, he was either fantastic with 150 yards, or he had 20 yards, and he just killed your team. Like, there really was no in-between. And I think that's the same thing in the the Browns offense. The issue, though, is I feel like there is this everlasting question of who is the wide receiver one for the Vikings. Yeah, but last year, Adam Thielen didn't play, like, at all. Is it Adam Thielen, or is it... Yeah, we're looking at last year because Stefanski was only with the Vikings last year for a full year. And Adam Thielen barely played. And Stephon Diggs still really struggled in fantasy. He ended with 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. That's fine. I think OBJ can end higher than my wide receiver 23. But I think he's going to feel like the wide receiver 23 because he's not helping you week in and week out. He's hurting you just as much as he helps you. I have a question. Where are you ranking A.J. Brown right now? I have him. Well, I'll have to go in. Because um, I, 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 they are very different players, and I, I look at them very differently. But when I was projecting these two guys, I thought of their, them in similar ways. So, like, both on run-heavy schemes, um, both, like, the clear wide receiver one on their team. I know, like, we can debate Jarvis Landry, but he's more the possession guy. I have A.J. Brown at wide receiver uh, 15. So I'd love to know the difference between those There's two. There's a if massive you're difference. about opportunity. There's a massive difference. A.J. Brown is the clear cut, pretty much like only target on the team. He has Corey Davis. That shouldn't help him. Corey Davis. Yes, it does, because he's going to be the only one that's getting these targets. A.J. Brown is amazing after the catch. I'm sorry, he's just better than OBJ at that point. So but A.J. Brown is, is better than... After the catch. I know OBJ is very good as well, but we saw dominance from A.J. Brown. Okay, maybe we won't, we won't even go that way. What we do know... Is that last year in the same offense, AJ Brown was used often and he was getting a lot of touchdowns. What we know about OBJ last year, and that's, I guess, is going to be a different offense, but with the same team, he had four touchdowns. Like, I think that matters to a certain extent. And then if we're going to say there's not going to be a ton of passing attempts for Cleveland, well, he's going to have to fight for whatever targets there are available with not only Jarvis Landry. But Higgins will still be involved. They drafted Peoples-Jones. Now you have Hooper, who will get... He, they just gave up, what, a second rounder for Hooper? Yeah, and and you've got David Njoku, a former first-round pick. I just think Oh, that- no, no, they didn't give up a second. They signed him in free agency. Sorry, I was thinking of Hayden Hurst. Uh, so we got Austin Hooper that they just signed to the biggest tight end contract, right? And then you still have Njoku. They have Hunt that they're going to use in the passing game. I, all of that, all of that, only helps if OBJ can get that same target share. I do think that with the diversity of those weapons, and with another year, a healthy season in that same offense, I do expect a bounce back year from Odell. If it doesn't happen in 2020, I'm done. I'm okay, but you're still done. wasting another year of no, not, not being done with No, I'm not wasting another year because he is going to finish as a top ten wide okay. receiver. I won that debate. Let's move on. Okay. Let's move on to another wide receiver who we're opposite here. I'm super high on and you're very low on. Almost like the same exact range. So I have this player as my wide receiver nine and you have him as your wide receiver 24. So a massive gap. This one hurts. And this one is probably one of our favorite players in the NFL, Juju Smith-Schuster. You are super low on him going into next year. I don't even think I'm super high. I think wide receiver nine is very fair. 
tell me why you're so low on Juju with Ben coming back. My my biggest reservation comes with the Steelers as as a whole offensive unit. Um, I, I don't know what to expect this coming season. I still didn't know what to expect last season with Ben, without Antonio Brown, and we didn't get to see that sample size whatsoever. So even the games that we saw, Ben wasn't healthy. He injured himself in the first game of the 2019 season. I, don't, I still have no idea what that's actually going to look like with Ben under center. If I am going to have that many question marks about an NFL offense, and uh, you know, I think Juju is definitely going to have the most targets on that team. I think you will have, uh, I've got him projected for 72 receptions, 1,006 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. How many targets? 108. 108? Is just Ben refusing to throw to Juju? No, but I think they, they've got that a lot of mouths. That is wildly low for a wide receiver one. On the Steelers, that seems very unlike the Steelers, A. That you, then who's, like, how many is Deontay getting at that point? 92. So you have Pittsburgh being a pretty low passing offense next year. I'm projecting them for 610 passing attempts. That's a lot. I, I think they're going to get the running backs and, and continue to involve the running backs. I do think Chase Vol- Chase Claypool is going to see some volume. I think they're going to continue to involve James Washington, continue to involve Deontay Johnson. I think the issue is that, so while Juju is the number one, I don't think they have a clear number two. And I think that that almost hurts Juju in a way because it just sort of further dilutes the target share. Juju is a guy that I absolutely love for Dynasty. He, I think, just turned 23. Mm-hmm. Am I right on that? Um, he's a guy that I love. He's one of my favorite players. But there are just so many question marks about how that offense will run. I could see them being a little bit more run heavy. I projected them for 610 pass attempts, but... I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to have them lean more on the run if James Conner is available and on the field. I only have been with 590 passing attempts. Okay. But so I have Juju with 144 targets. How do you And I think the rest that's low. So I have Juju with 144, Deontay with 95, James Washington with 72, Chase Claypool with only 27. I don't have Chase Claypool being very involved at all in his rookie season. Maybe that goes up, but I think if Chase Claypool gets involved, I think all that does is take away from Washington and not Juju. Like, I, I don't think that's going to take away from them. I don't have Eric Ebron and Vance that involved. Like, I have Ebron with 68 targets, Vance with 32. I have Connor getting his normal 78 targets. Like, that's very reasonable for him. He's heavily involved in the offense. But, like, I have Juju as the clear-cut wide receiver one. Juju is Ben's man. And, yes, we didn't get to see very much of it last year because Ben was hurt in the first game and he only played one half of the second game. But in those six quarters, Juju had 13 targets. And that was with Ben injured already and and hurting. So I still think Juju is Ben's clear-cut number one guy. With Deontay breaking out last year and showing how good he was and proving that he can be the X receiver, the outside receiver, 
I, I think he can stay there. Deontay's on the outside. Juju's in the slot. And then we use Washington as the Y receiver on the opposite side, on the outside. And then maybe get Claypool involved anyway. We want to. But if Juju's out of the slot all the time, um, I, I think the biggest issue with Juju last year was, of course, injuries. He was dealing with that toe injury for most of the season and then was dealing with the knee and the concussion. And then Duck and Mason Rudolph weren't targeting Juju. And I, I think Juju's biggest struggle is separation, right? He's really good at contested catches. Separation isn't his strong suit. Ben doesn't care. Ben throws it to Juju because he trusts him. Duck and Mason weren't willing to do that. They they didn't see the separation. They weren't throwing it to him because they didn't, you know, they're, they're too scared to make that mistake. And, and Ben's not. Ben will throw it into Juju. So I think that's the difference there. Why Juju struggled a lot more than Deontay struggled. Because Deontay can create separation. Uh, we, we saw that. So I'm going back to Juju. He was the wide receiver eight in total fantasy points in 2018 when he was great with Ben. And you might say, well, that was his elite season and he was only the wide receiver eight. His total points would have been good enough for the wide receiver two in 2019. He scored more points in 2018 than Chris Godwin or Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins did in 2019. It's just a great year for wide receivers in 2018. It made Juju look less elite than he actually was. He was so good with Ben Healthy. And maybe AB had a big to do with that, but I don't think so. I I definitely think that I could be missing out big time on Juju. I think it's a great buy low opportunity in dynasty leagues, redraft. There's just so many players I like in that range in like the second through fourth round where I feel like I could get a great asset. See, we're opposite. In, in Dynasty Leagues where I have to keep Juju for multiple years because that's what Dynasty is. Or, you know, I can try to trade him, but he could lose value. We already saw now without Ben. He's even, 23 years old. But I'm saying without Ben, even, you know, he had his injuries. We had to take that into account. Not every quarterback is brave enough just to throw it to him. Like, Is he getting Ben Roethlisberger in 2020? You don't really know yes, what Ben Roethlisberger... Ben. You don't know. And redraft, I'm all over Juju. I love him. I will be drafting him because his price is very fair. What is he, he going? Would, Third he round? Fourth to, round? He would fall... For me to bite, he would fall to the fourth. You're rude. You're rude to our Steelers guy. I love Juju. Let's go on. We're talking about all wide receivers today, which is odd for us. We'll get to a tight end shortly, but let's talk about one more wide receiver. Mike Evans, he's your boy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I am way higher on him. So Mike Evans is my wide receiver 11 for 2020. He's your wide receiver 26, Kate. He's your favorite wide receiver in the league. Why are you hating on him? It definitely doesn't have to do with hate. So this is a move that literally Oh, it always has to do with hate if you're ranking them low. It just means you hate them. Sorry, Twitter. It can't mean anything else. It means you hate them. I forgot, Twitter. Sorry, Twitter. Um, It definitely does not have anything to do with Mike Evans' hate. I love Mike Evans. It has to do with the quarterback. I know, I know this has been talked about through fantasy Twitter, through... Lots of podcasts, lots of articles, but Tom Brady is under center. Tom Brady does not go deep. When is the last time that Tom Brady... That's a lie. When is the last time that Tom Brady has reached for the guy who averages 15 yards per target? When he had somebody to average. He had Julian Edelman and James White last year. It has nothing to do with who he had last year. It's... When was the last time we actually saw him use a deep threat guy that wasn't a 
yards after the catch guy because that is what Brady makes his money on. Smart, intelligent throws where he knows that his receiver is wide open to get extra yards after the catch. The last time I think we could look at a player who even compares to a guy like Mike Evans is Josh Gordon. He was he was great, right? He was absolutely great in that offense. But even if we stat him out for 16 games when he played 11 games in a season with New England, still only had 99 targets. That's came up with. Uh, 1,047 yards and four touchdowns. I think that's the most ridiculous comparison. Josh Gordon, who hasn't been good in the last five years, even when like even with Seattle, he was just about the talent. It's absolutely not about the talent. It is because no, Mike Evans is a way better wide receiver than Josh Gordon. It is not about the talent. It's about who gets targets. Okay. Does Tom Brady want to target so la- somebody down the field? Last year. Who can't separate. Last year, Tom Brady was lower in deep percentage passes, like targets that went 20 yards. Average depth of target was eight yards. That's fine. That is not where Mike Evans makes money. Again, he had no one to pass it to. Who is he going to throw it to deep? Muhammad Sanu? Like, Nikhil Harry hurt and also not good in, in his rookie year. I'll say in his rookie year. Julian Edelman's not a deep guy. He didn't have a tight end to target deep. But why would he suddenly like he that has more, not, He hasn't had those assets as a part of his game for the last few years. So question. why are we suddenly thinking that he's going to flip the script? Well, because and start throwing deep at forty three years old. It's not flipping the script. In twenty eighteen, he was middle of the pack in deep percentage passes. In twenty seventeen, he was top six. That's the last time he had a guy like that with a Gronk where he can actually target deeper and trust. Or I think he Sorry, may have what had year was that? Brandon Cooks, 2017. That was 20, 2017. 2018, he was middle of the pack. Last year, he was still higher than... So Ma- three years ago when his arm was 40 years old. Last year, he was still higher than Matt Ryan and Jared Goff in deep percentage passes. Are you avoiding... Yeah, Matt Ryan and Jared Goff sucked. As much as their teams might have sucked and their quarter, you know, Jared Goff didn't look like a great quarterback, I I think that's a little bit unfair to Matt Ryan. They were still really good for wide receivers in fantasy, right? Like, Cooper Cup is still great. Julio Jones is someone we're not avoiding. Uh, I I know we might think that Julio Jones might be better after the catch, but actually last year Mike Evans was better. He had more yards after the catch per reception. All I'm saying is he's your boy. More yards after the catch total. What'd you say? More yards after the catch total. Mike Evans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Julio Jones had more yards after the catch total. Oh, you got to go by reception. Okay. 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 They're both not, I mean, I'm not saying Mike Evans gets a ton of yards after the catch. We should never expect that. That's not the kind of player he is. But the type of player he is, is we've seen throughout his whole career. He was the wide receiver 13 in his rookie season with Mike Glennon and Josh McCown. So it wasn't always with Winston. And that was with Glennon and McCown totaling 3,600 yards and 21 total touchdowns. And he still was a wide receiver 13. It's really bad. Right? And then he was the wide receiver 24 in 2015. He only had three touchdowns that season. Winston only threw 22. Wide receiver 2 in 2016. Winston finally got up to 28 touchdowns. Wide receiver 17, 2017, still not great, but still way higher than where you have him. He only scored five touchdowns that year. Winston only threw 19 touchdowns on the season. So having five doesn't look that bad now. Wide receiver eight in 2018. And then he was, what, the wide receiver three in fantasy points per game last year and then got hurt. 
Yes. It's you know good. I love Mike Evans. It's going to change because Winston's not going to just, you know, Winston's not there anymore. Brady's not going to just throw it up where he's going to risk all those interceptions. But Evans' targets are going to be better than what they were. Evans will have higher quality targets. I do not think he sees more targets. And I think he sees, honestly, fewer of them. Because, like you said, he's not going to just chuck the ball into the air when it's not a safe play to make. Evans was so that good last not- year because Winston finally was scoring a lot of touchdowns, right? In the years that Winston scored touchdowns, Evans was great. Do you think Brady will throw more touchdowns than 19 and 19 and 22, which were years that Winston had? Or is he going to throw more like Winston in last year, 33 touchdowns? Like, wouldn't you imagine with all those weapons, Brady's going to throw 32-plus touchdowns pretty easily? I think Brady is an excellent top 10 quarterback in 2020. I just think that the offenses are very different when you're looking at a Tom Brady offense versus a Jameis Winston offense. You're looking at the smartest quarterback of all time who knows how to manage a game. Jameis Winston does not know how to manage a game, and that does affect the risk you're willing to take within the game. I think that Mike Evans will take a hit because of that. So, yeah, he will take a hit. So he was a wide receiver three last year in fantasy points per game. I'm putting him all the way down to wide receiver 11. You're making him as a guy he's never been in his entire career. Wide receiver 26. Obviously, the ceiling's there for Mike Evans. I just see in PPR leagues, I don't don't have the faith that he is going to get enough volume to, to... accomplish that again you're giving up on your man i'm not giving up on my man i just i'm being real i have him statted out very well i have him with 110 targets 65 receptions 1038 receiving yards and seven touchdowns is that so bad when you when you're doing it out for 16 games and you're comparing it to everyone else's 16 games it's pretty bad i will beg to differ i've statted out him out actually pretty close to his 2017 season with Jameis winston he, he has done this before. Uh, 136 targets, 71 receptions, 1,000 receiving yards, five touchdowns. Yep. I did him better. Yeah, because Winston threw 19 touchdowns. If Brady throws 19 touchdowns, he's out of the league next year. If That's Brady, it. The thing, though, is that Mike Evans was the center point of the offense. Like, they didn't have Chris Godwin, right? They well, didn't technically have, they did, but he was a rookie. But, yeah, they weren't using him in the same way. They were not using him in the same way. They weren't giving him... A hundred targets in that year, were they? I think there's they... plenty to go around. I think okay. Brady's going to target them all. I'm actually the the lower people get on Evans, I'm loving it because I can get him at a, normally he goes so high that it's hard to own him because drafting him you have to pay a top tier wide receiver cost for. Now everyone's down on him all of a sudden that he has a Hall of Fame quarterback the best quarterback of all time, passing him the ball, and people are like, oh, my God, no. I think you're That's just, I, I think you're underestimating the... I think his ceiling is wide, the wide receiver one next year. The wide receiver one. Wow, I think, it's almost like you copied and pasted my my prediction from last season. Yeah. That's very original. <laughs> all right, let's move on. I will... I'm just saying... So, like, I think that I am a person that I put emphasis on situation. So when I'm going out to do my stats, I'm looking at historical production, opportunity within the offense, but I look at situations and I I have to think that this situation in Tampa Bay where Tom Brady has his safety blanket of Rob Gronkowski 
he has Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a capable pass-catching running back. You've got Chris Godwin. You've got so many weapons there. I just have to believe that he's not going to see the volume to produce. And I don't think that he's going to be able to capitalize on the risks that Jameis Winston took on him, which made him so valuable. Remember when Randy Moss was like God with Tom Brady? No. What? How long ago was that? It was, was pretty, that? it was pretty long ago. It was like ago. 10 years ago, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, was, I don't remember that because I didn't even watch football at that point. It was in 2007. So so more than 10 years ago. <laughs> but he was very good, and there was a That's lot of other fine. weapons on he, that offense, How too. old was his arm? His arm was 30 at yeah, that point. Yeah, he was 30. I, I'm all over Mike Evans, only for the fact that he is... And I will take him if he drops. I'm just you're, not You need him to drop to him. the wide receiver 26. That's wild. That's never going to happen. All right. I, no, I think I think wide receiver 26 is a realistic project, projection from him. That would I be would, a terrible, terrible, terrible Exactly. I th- I'm tempering my expectations. All right. Well, I'm tempering mine, too, with the wide receiver 11, and I think that's very fair because Mike Evans is one of the best wide receivers in the league. I agree. You're you're literally preaching to the choir here. Okay. Moving on. We're yeah, moving on we to the tight end. we should move on because I'm stressed. Hayden Hurst, the new tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. So he was a first-round pick for Baltimore a couple years ago. Taken before Mark Andrews and before Lamar Jackson. Yep, and he was not really used very much in that offense, and Mark Andrews became the star of the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens traded him away to Atlanta for a second-round pick, very early pick, and now Hayden Hurst gets to take over for Austin Hooper because now Austin Hooper is in Cleveland. I am a little bit more bullish on him, but I don't have, like, a strong feeling about him. I'm just excited for Hurst in this offense. So I have him as my tight end seven. I have him breaking out as a viable fantasy tight end. Now, the tight end seven's nobody, like, great normally. Normally, the tight end seven's... It's like yeah. three points per game, yeah, four it's, points it's per game. Yeah, it's really not that great. Um, but you have him as a tight end 13, which is pretty much unusable. So... There, I mean, it's only a gap of six, but like I said, tight end seven almost gets done usable at some points. Tight end 13, really, you know, you're not that high on him. Tell me why you're not as excited as I am for her coming into this offense. So I actually, I think that next year, next season, if we see some sort of connection, I will be much higher on Hayden Hurst. My ambivalence with Hayden Hurst comes from the fact that he is a tight end in a totally new system. Uh, Matt Ryan and Lamar Jackson are very different quarterbacks, very different schemes. Um, Hayden Hurst, like, he's entering a system that has generally been really friendly to the tight ends. You've got Dan Quinn, Dirk Cutter. It's a a tight end friendly scheme. Um, 100-plus targets to the tight end in each of the last seasons, but I'm looking at Hayden Hurst as a new asset who hasn't really gotten the chance to shine in a full-time role yet. You need time to accumulate uh, your your bearings, if you will. You need, and also Hayden Hurst is an old man to break he out. He actually by the way. is a pretty old man. I think he's twenty six. Yeah, he's older. Um, he is very old, but we haven't seen him in that full time role as far as a pass catcher. I do think that the opportunity is there, but if the offense does want to get Calvin Ridley more involved, um, it, also look at the fact that they they just acquired. Todd Gurley, who is going to command a buttload of targets. I have Todd Gurley down for 
60 targets, and I think that's low. Oh, I have him for way more than that. I don't have the Kelvin Ridley breakout like everyone else does. I still have Ridley at 115. I just don't have him being this top 12 wide receiver like people predict for Calvin Ridley. I think it's going to be a similar offense to last year where Julio Jones is the clear-cut wide receiver one. He's the alpha male in that wide receiver group. You have Calvin, Does he have the most testosterone? <laughs> you, you have Calvin Ridley as a very solid wide receiver too. Like as an NFL team, that's a great wide receiver too to own. He will be a solid wide receiver too. He'll get you those safe points from week to week in fantasy. Then and I ha- he, he has ceiling. Too. I have Gurley actually getting a, like, a handful of more targets than Freeman had last year. Freeman had 71 targets last year in 14 games. So I think I have Gurley around like 78, 80, and I think that's very fair. I think we can all say Gurley's a little bit more talented than Freeman overall. I feel like overall. I lowballed everybody in my projections. And then I do have Hurst taking over that Hooper role. Now, not exactly the same. I don't, I'm not giving him all of his targets. But a big part of why Austin Hooper was so great is they knew how to use him. They know how to put him in the zone, get him in the perfect spot, pass to him. It's not like Cooper's beating these defenders man-to-man. It's not like Cooper's this amazing talent. I do think Hurst could play that role. And Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons, I don't really know who it is, but I'm thinking it's Matt Ryan because it's been his whole career. He loves the tight end position. So he's been in the league since 2009, 2008, or something like that. But he's had Tony Gonzalez from 2009 to 2013. And Tony Gonzalez always had over 100 targets. Now, Tony Gonzalez is a Hall of Famer. So we'll let that be. So again, you know, Tony Gonzalez retires after the 2013 year. 2014 is a little rough. Their top tight end was uh, Toyola. Toyolo. 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 It doesn't matter. He was not used very often. But he has not been used anywhere. And that was their top tight end. In 2015, they had Jacob Tammy. Jacob Tammy. Do you remember Jacob Tammy? All-star. All-star. He had 81 targets that year. He was all-pro, right? 81 targets that year, 657 yards, only one touchdown. I think that's going to be a big part of if Hayden Hurst succeeds or not, and that's pretty much all tight ends. Do they get the tight ends? Do 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 they get the touchdowns? Do they not? That's going to be something that's harder to predict. Out of curiosity, what sort of role do you project for Russell Gage? Do you think, I feel like we started to see him come on towards the, the last half of the last year, but. We saw him were, come on because Julio was hurt. It was definitely an opportunity, was yeah. but he did, he, he did well. So do you project that they will get him more involved? When I think of Russell Gage, I think of a Rashad Higgins type, right? Like he can be a really good wide receiver three for an NFL team, but he's not going to be involved enough to hurt anybody. So it's. When I, when I say Higgins for the Browns, like it's OBJ, Landry, Higgins will get his some targets. Like I, I think it's Juju, I think it's Ridley, and then Gage will get some. But I think the top four targets on that team are Juju, Juju, Julio, Ridley, <laughs> and then Gurley. And then Hurst. Do you have some insider knowledge about Juju no. being traded no, 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 that no. I don't know about? So I think those are the top four targets, and I think those will be the main targets when we look at the end of the year. Gage will be involved somewhat, but I don't. Uh, he's not going to be useful in fantasy. That is the way that I projected. I have Julio, then Calvin, then Hayden Hurst. I, I just think we're going to need a little bit more time for Hayden Hurst to actually acclimate to that kind of role because he wasn't the one running a ton of routes. He wasn't on a lot of pass-blocking snaps. Hayden Hurst, he, he got his fair share, 
But Mark Andrews was that guy in that offense. I think there's some players that just build a connection with certain quarterbacks, and that's it. But also, let's look at the fact that, I mean, even Austin Hooper in the same offense, his first two seasons, he didn't do that much, right? Like, even his second like year within that system, 65 targets. I think it's not really fair to compare a tight end's second year in the league to, to a tight end's third year in the league? I think third year is normally when you make the jump, but 520... Yeah, but he hasn't had a full-time role. 526 yards is what Austin Hooper had his second year. That's not terrible for a tight end. It's the three touchdowns that was so low. And I think they're going to go... They have the same OC from last year. They're going to go back to that system. Austin Hooper had six touchdowns in 13 games. And they just... They, they learned how to use Austin Hooper in the right way. I do think being a vet as a tight end matters more than the first year in your system. Don't you think that, uh, like, when you're looking at vets, though, like, Hayden Hurst doesn't have that full realm of experience in terms of veteran presence. Like, you've talked yourself about, you know, sort of that that first opportunity to have a a full-time role. Does it apply to wide receivers and tight ends? What I love about Hayden Hurst is that he has no competition. Austin Hooper's gone. They paid a second rounder for him. Like, the snaps are his. The tight end snaps are I, his. I definitely think that the, the snaps are his, and I will be the first one in line to buy Hayden Hurst when everybody gives up on him in Dynasty because he doesn't shine right away. Maybe, but... He, I will be in there buying he all was of your shares. Towards, I will buy your shares. He was towards the top in yards per route run, even for Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't get to do a whole lot, but that's something we're looking at. When we're looking at to see what guys can break out, we're like, okay, well, who did well in their small amount of opportunity? And once they get more opportunity, that's a good sign that they can produce, right? So Hayden Hurst was towards the top of the league in yards per route run. And I, I think once he gets those routes and he gets to actually run more routes and be more involved in the offense, I do think he can do really well. It's going to come down to the touchdowns because I do think he gets at least 75 targets in that offense. All right. I think that's, I think that's fair. I, Tight ends are so gross that if we're going to pick one to break out, like if I'm going to pick a Hayden Hurst or a Jonu Smith, I rather would go with Hayden Hurst because we already have seen tight ends be so involved in the Atlanta offense. We're already seeing that the defense is terrible, right, for Atlanta. They they throw a ton, and Matt Ryan prefers the tight end position. With Jonu Smith, it's like he's not really used ever, and you need him to break a long play. You don't really need Hayden Hurst to break a long play because they're going You're to use the tight end position. Yeah, we're going to get the volume there with him. It's going to come down to touchdowns. With Jonu Smith, you're going to need those massive plays from him. I prefer Hurst over Jonu when it comes to that case, and I think they're going around the same range there. And we'll talk about other tight ends later, but everyone that's going late is a question mark. Noah Fant with Drew Locke was really bad. He wasn't getting targeted at all. I would all. rather have Hayden Hurst over Noah yeah. Fant. TJ Hawkinson had one great game, his first game ever. I, against the Arizona yeah. Cardinals. I feel like nobody talks about that enough. We do, we do. And then Hawkinson, like that, that's who we're talking about right now, that you just said had his one good game against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm excited about him for next year, but he's just as big of a question mark. There's really no one going that late where you can get Hurst that you're like, this dude's going to break out. And I think Hurst has the best opportunity for volume. So that's why I have him there at seven. That's who I'd go for later. All right. I don't hate it. I think, like, I, I agree that I think he has the upside. I'm just not on board yet. All right. All I right. think he'll assume that role. I do. I do. This got heated, but I think I want every Whew. debate. So go, Michelle. Oh, did 
Did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's great to know. Thank you so much for, for informing <laughs> us of that, Michelle. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, please give us a follow on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And you can find me when my takes are wrong at FFBallBlast. No. No, redo. redo <laughs> you can it. find me when my takes are correct at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. E-M. Find all of our work at BallBlastFootball.com. We have a super exciting announcement coming out. Uh, we will be announcing that latest by Thursday. So the next time we're on a pod, we're going to be very excited and we'll discuss we're gonna be, that. We're going to be different the but, next time we're on yeah. pod. Keep your eyes out our for that announcement. We'll announce it on Twitter. We're very excited. But yeah, we're our Ball Blast brand is going to blow up this season. So Explode. watch out, guys. Watch out, but definitely go subscribe to ballblastfootball.com to stay up to date. Anything else? Um, Hit that subscribe on our podcast. Please give us one of those reviews. Help others find the show. One of those reviews are a five star review. Oh, I'm hoping for five stars. If I'm you're going to give like a, it. if you're going to give a two or three, you can you cannot disregard disregard. <laughs> I would statement. hope that you didn't listen to a whole hour long podcast and you're like, well, that's a two. Fifty six minutes in and you're yeah. like, that's that's definitely a two. It's all good. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye guys. Bye.